This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, not in person but in spirit, Nick Campton. Hello. A warm fins up and a hearty let's go Broncos to all the all the handsome listeners out there today. Yeah, so we have been doing these in person since the season started, but uh, my tax dollars have paid for you to fly to Brisbane for tonight's game, Nick, for WrestleMania 1. I believe you will be throwing someone a steel chair at some point in one of the one of the big heel turn moments. Well, I don't want to give away what's, what's going to happen on the hallowed Suncorp Stadium turf tonight, but, you know, let's just say I have been working on my chair and ladder work and you know, maybe there will be a couple of surprise entrances. Maybe there will be, you know, some sledgehammers changing hands at opportune moments this evening. But um, no, I'm I'm really excited. I haven't been this pumped for a regular season game been a for while. a really, really long time. Yeah, yeah and I, I think there's a chance that this is the biggest regular season match of the entire year. I know that's a huge call to make after after four rounds, but there's a genuine buzz around the there, city. There was, yeah. there was yesterday. There, there still is today. Right now, it's about eight o'clock in the morning here. So it is still, you know, about 12 hours out from, from kickoff, but people are pumped. People are into it. Like, you know, Finn mania and, and, and Brisbane uh, and Bronco itis have swept the city and there's no known cure. Yep. And you wrote about that yesterday in your preview. I put that on the uh, Boom Rookies Facebook page. If you guys haven't read that yet, so go check that out. I've been putting all our articles that both you and I write on Facebook. You probably have not realized that because the computer is not your friend, but the computer, the computer is not my friend. It is it it is a it is a temporary ally of which I am always distrustful. <laughs> that's that's totally fair. All right, but before we talk about uh, WrestleMania one and all the rest of this weekend's matches, we do have to jump back to last night. Um, an absolutely chaotic ending. Parramatta continue their regular season, important regular season stranglehold over the Penrith <laughs> Panthers with a seventeen sixteen win. Um, just. An absolutely harem scarum end to this game. Junior Junior Ballo leaves his feet to kill a man. Nathan Cleary slots one of the best field goals you'll ever see. Mitch Kenny then decides to level the stakes in stupidity, and then Mitch Moses taps it in. But yeah, Campo, I, I thought this game was played at an extremely high and extremely physical level throughout, and it really just ramped up into the chaos in those last five minutes. Yeah, I think you really nailed it there when you talk about it's played at a very high level physically. I thought that was the that was really the key for for Parramatta. Um, in the two games they played in the finals against Penrith last year, they couldn't match Penrith's physicality, especially in the middle of the field. And it was a big part of the reason they ended up losing both those games. But with Penrith down a couple of guys from those games, Para were really able to sort of rise to that level. And I thought what was really impressive is Para came out and started really strongly and and played with a lot of muscle and, and refused to back down or be intimidated by Penrith. But then as the game kept going, I felt like Penrith worked their way back into it. A big part of that was Isaiah. I thought he was absolutely fantastic in the middle of the field, but then Para were able to turn the tide again, which is really, really difficult. It's, it's, it's very rare that you see, I know you hate the, the word momentum, but it's rare that you see sort of the momentum of the match or, or the control of the middle of the field, change hands more than once in a game. And I thought the key for that was um, when Matt Dury came on and Ryan Madison was able to go back to the middle. And I think that's something that, it, like, you know, Para are still um, one and three and all that sort of thing. But I think 
Madison joining that middle rotation showed that this team's ceiling is still extremely, extremely high. You know, and like once he moved in there, they were able to get over the top of Penrith, which is something very few teams have been able to do for for even a short period of time over the last couple of years. So while I think Para are still working some things out, I think they've sort of got into the habit of playing to the level of their opposition, which is a which is something that teams get into sometimes. It's like you know, against a good team, they can really rise up. Against a bad team, you know, they get down in the slop, and it's hard to hard for them to dig their way out. But I think that's a real ray of hope, and there's a there's a, to me there's still a clear path for this Parramatta team to be really really dangerous, and it's and it's based off Madison joining that middle rotation, giving them a little bit more sophistication as well as giving them a little bit more muscle. So while this was you know a real helter skelter all over the road type finish, I think it was also the sort of game that Para fans can watch and they can be like, well you know what, those first three weeks maybe weren't as bad as we thought they were, and there's still a team that can do that can do a lot in this competition. I mean, we did say that, right, that they were literally a couple of plays in each of those games away from being 3-0, and which is why, despite the fact that they were on the bottom of the ladder, that wasn't really time to panic. And we did definitely talk about how important Ryan Madison would be when he came back, and I think he nailed it there. And then Dury was very heavily involved in that hands try as well late on. Um, yeah, but I, I just thought that towards the end of the game as well, like when... When Penrith had, when Penrith were marching down the field, I I just had this feeling like in those last five minutes because we talked about how Pen- Parramatta sort of tended to fade late in these games with the with the the way their bench is used and and the number of minutes their players were playing. I, I didn't really feel like Penrith were sort of running over the top of them up until those last few minutes, and then I cut like Camper. Honestly, like I'm not a momentum guy either, but. When Cleary kicks that field goal, like what chance are you giving Parramatta in Golden Point with twelve men? <laughs> like not much, not much. I got to tell you, I thought Paulo was really lucky not to be sent off. Yeah, and look, I, I, I think, guess the I think he probably is... should have been. Like he, he it doesn't matter. He left. He, I know it does. I know it doesn't really matter. What if like... he'd come back on with sixteen seconds left in the second <laughs> half extra time and kicked a field goal? Then it would have mattered. Yeah, yeah, but um, I guess. For the first time in probably a long time in a very close game with very high stakes, Penrith were the team that weren't able to hold their nerve. You know, the the Paulo tackle was like, that was really bad. He left his feet and all that sort of thing. The Kenny tackle is, to me, that was like much more of like a fatigue error. Yeah. More than anything else. And Paulo's, I think that was Paulo's only was a sin bin because, because Balor had already been sin bin. I don't think that was probably sin bin worthy, but oh, doesn't 100%. matter. That's right. Does not That's matter. Right. Well, Bella's I, probably going to get a few weeks for that, by the way. That was really yeah, bad. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, but I thought what was really impressive about, about Parrot in that moment was how calmly they sort of set for that field goal. And I was quite Yeah, you struck. watched Moses on that play. They showed oh, a replay. Man. I couldn't believe it. I thought they were showing like him chilling after the game, waiting to shake hands with people. Then I realized, oh, it's the, it's the replay of the field goal. Yeah. Yeah. And I know it was only 20 out or something like that, but it's still... It's still golden point. The stakes are still high. We've seen a lot of good field field goal kickers miss field goals from there, but he was just super chilled out. I'm I'm with you. Like when they showed me the replay, I thought, oh, is this him about to practice one just before golden point or something like that? But not just super cool, super composed. And I was very, very impressed. I, I, I do want to talk a little bit about Brendan Hands, who yeah. came on for Josh Hodgson. It was his first grade debut. He's a Penrith junior, I'm pretty sure. So but Brendan at two hands. I was, I was, I thought he did really well. He reminded me a lot of going back years ago when Kurt Baptiste would come off the bench for the Raiders, and there'd be some weeks where Hodgson would be trying stuff, but it just wasn't working. And then Baptiste would come on, and all of a sudden the attack would just look a whole lot fresher just because it was a different guy in there. Mm-hmm. And that to me is what happened in this game. You know, I, 
I know um, the Eels faithful are still not not that happy with Hodgson. He had that bad miss on Yo in the lead up to the Dylan Edwards try. But I think having another hooker on the bench is a really good idea for them just because it sort of takes that pressure off Hodgson. It, it means he doesn't have to play 80 minutes every week. It, it ensures that, you know, he can be a little bit fresher when he is playing. And for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes or however long hands was on the field, all he's, all he's got to do is shovel it to Moses and Brown and things will be okay. You know, and I felt Moses and Brown really did get the balance right a lot more often in this game. You know, Brown came out before the match and was pretty scathing of his own form through the first three rounds, said he was like not happy with it, nowhere near where he wants to be and all that sort of thing. So, you know, Paris still getting the Paris still getting the balance right, but I feel like they're getting a lot closer to getting it right. Yeah. Whenever Kurt Baptiste is mentioned, I just think about when Roosters fans wanted him to replace Jake Friend permanently. Such was their blind hatred of Jake Friend. It's fantastic. Poor old Jake Friend. All all he did was like bleed for that club and win yep. three premierships. And they all, just all, yeah. I wanted, all I wanted to do was ship him out. Very funny. But yeah, dude, yeah, you're absolutely right. Brent, great name as well, Brendan Hands. Fantastic. Oh, gr- really good stuff. Um, good footy name. But Strong yeah, Cam- name. Campbell Gillard, especially, I thought was brilliant. He was he was carrying dudes with him every time he carted the ball up. And um another another big sniff for him, I think it was 58 minutes according. I think the, the ball I won is definitely wrong. It says he played 89 minutes, which I don't think is correct, <laughs> given that given that the game didn't go for 89 minutes. You know, no, you know what? After the game finished, he went out there and did some burpees or whatever. He just just, to, just loves it. Just, just loves just it so much. But yeah, Campbell Gillard, 58 minutes, I believe that's correct. And 261 meters off 24 hit-ups. 81 post-contact meters and Ballo himself at 229 as well with Madison chipping in and Hopgood before he went off also playing really well. So yeah, Madison coming back makes a big difference. It allows them to use Dury a bit differently. As you said, then Madison comes into that rotation and takes some of the pressure off those two dudes who have been doing so much work through those three games. And now for the Eels, they don't have to go into a game against a Roosters team off a bye 0-4. And I think that we said 0-3 is not a death sentence, but 0-4 is pretty bloody close. So thank God yep. for them that they won this game. Yeah, that was a really important win for them. And I think you could see that in the way they reacted after the Moses field goal. I've never seen him. The only time I've ever seen him that pumped up was when um, was with that first game at Bankwest when he scored that try against the Tigers off the 20-meter restart. And he sort of had that you know massive roar at the camera that you see in a lot of the promos and all that. That's the only other time I've seen Mitch Moses this fired up. And this time he didn't see... Like, it wasn't like happy it was like fuck everybody like it's it, it seemed really defiant mm. to me you know so maybe getting a win like this is something they can kind of rally around a little bit i'm not saying it'll go the same way at all but you remember in 2015 when the cowboys lost their first three and then they beat the storm on monday night in golden point yeah. off a off a off a jt field goal and then that sort of kick-started their entire season they end up winning the comp i'm not saying that para is going to win the comp or anything like that but maybe this is like the jump start that their season really needed abc firebrands bold call for championship <laughs> um would you like it's to lucky. guess how many no, meters Penrith's back three made combined i know it's river was over 300 I, I checked. I checked the stats just before yeah. we got on. So I know Tariva was over three hundred. Edwards always makes a lot. I'll say he was easily over two hundred, and Toto's always amongst it too. So I'm going to say seven hundred meters, eight hundred and twenty. Jesus Christ! <laughs> well, right, like it's like eight hundred and twelve. So Edwards two seventy five, Tariva three twelve, Toto two thirty. Oh man, Ed, Edwards Ed, like Tariva worked really hard. Toto's always really good. I thought Edwards was really strong, but he was great. The, 
He was, but it was a real error of judgment. I thought that flick pass that he threw to Tongo. That Tongo oh yeah, in the yeah, last yeah, two yeah, minutes. yeah. I was like, Dill, that's like that's that like that's not Edwards. That's not your game, mate. That's not your game. What are you doing? Like, I, like I, I am, I am interested to see what Penrith do from here because I don't think it's a problem, and I don't think they're going to panic. But this is the third game in a row where they've struggled to score points against a stout defensive team. They got two mm-hmm. against Brisbane. They got two against Parramatta and they got three against your boys. And at no point I thought last night, did they look particularly threatening when they went wide? Both their tries came through really solid attack through the middle of the field. The first one is from Yo steps, um, stepping through Hopgood and Hodgson. And then the second one is Hoskins um, hitting a nice line off Cleary off the edge. I th- they're not really putting points on through their back line, you know, and I know they've played three good defensive teams, but that's three games in a row that that's happened now. So what are you sort of making of, of Penrith's attack, man? It's weird because that wasn't their stat last year, basically that like pretty much whenever they get down that end, they score. And the issue was that they weren't getting down there that much. And then they would just control a game. Now it's the opposite. I expect like they're really struggling to score points, especially on that left edge. You just don't feel like, obviously, you can't replace Bill Kikio. You can't. But you just don't feel that any sense of danger when they go that way at all, do you? And they kept going that way against Souths. And really, the only points they got in that game was when Luke Gunner dropped the ball and everyone stopped and the referee allowed them to keep playing. And then last <laughs> night, last night was more of the same. Every time they swept left, it was kind of just like, yep, yeah, Panasini just shot up and, and smashed whoever had the ball and it was fine. And, you know, maybe we are, maybe it is a bit premature because they played Parramatta, who always play well against them. Souths, who will be there at the end, and Brisbane, who are currently top of the ladder. So maybe yeah, we need to see them play. Maybe we need to see them play a few of the crap teams uh, first. But yeah, dude, I think that because of how good their defense is and because of how good their work rate is, there's never going to be a point where they're going to have to worry. There's never yeah. going to be. They're never going to start leaking 20, 25 points a game. So even if you only score eighteen points a game and win eighteen, ten, they did that a lot over the last couple of years. Uh, the Landy ball year aside, they did that a lot last year. It's like, well, if you can just win a game 18 12, it doesn't really matter. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be concerned about it. who have they got next week. I haven't looked, I'm not sure. I'm too busy looking, looking deeply in your eyes over the Zoom. Uh, they've got, oh, they've got your beloved Raiders of Canberra. So, oh, keep the shit out of us. They always, they always kill us. <laughs> they always well, kill we us. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll check in, we'll check in on Friday next week at 6 p.m. and see how they're going. I guess the, the interesting thing is Penrith um, before this season were fully formed. They came into the season mm. fully formed just about every single time. They didn't have to work out a lot of kings or iron out a lot of stuff. They were very, uh, very sure of what they were good at and how it was going to work. And this, this team is still very sure of what they want to do, but they're still working some stuff out. And Penrith haven't had to work stuff out for a good couple of years. Now, I thought it was very interesting that Luke Garner played the first, I think it was the first 30 minutes and then he came off and he did not come back on. They had Jamin Salmon out there for the remaining uh, 53 minutes or, what, or, or whatever it was. I thought that was very, very interesting because I do think they're probably a little bit underwhelmed with what Garner's given them on that edge since he arrived from the Tigers. Um, mm-hmm. While he can run a good line, he just doesn't offer a passing threat the way that Kikia did. And while I think, I don't know if Salmon's the answer, but Salmon can move the ball a little bit more a little bit more easily, but I don't think we've seen the last sort of the chopping and changing on, on, on that edge. Do you reckon they might consider putting Tungo back in the forwards and finding another center? 
I would I would like to see them try that, but I don't think it's something that they're really that they're really considering. Well, we shall see. Try, try. This is a try. Brilliant, brilliant play. I think it's a try. Oh, I don't know if this is going to be a try. Gee, what about this bloke? Uh, if you're a loser, this is one of our new segments for the year. What about this bloke? Where we just talk about a guy from the past 20, 30 or so years of rugby league. Uh, Kebba. Sitting around and naming old rugby league players is the finest thing a person can do. It's literally my favorite thing to do in the entire world. And this week we've called upon a great friend of the show and the man responsible for the drop that you just heard, Matt Coleman, our man on the ground in Qatar. A fine South Sydney man like yourself, Bungard. Normally, I like to tell Bungard the night before who the guy is, but I knew this time I wouldn't have to. I knew this time I could drop it on him live on the air and he'd give us a little bit of gold because Matt Coleman has selected Wise Cativarata. What a player. What uh, a player. Fijian superstar. Just the 16 first grade games, just the seven tries, and I saw just about half of them. <laughs> on fateful day in 2003. Yeah, so you know that question we had last week about who's the worst player to score a hatchery against your team? If you were a Storm fan listening, the answer might well be Weiss Catavarada because uh, South Sydney in 2003 were one of the worst teams ever. They won three games in the entire year, Campo. Two of them were against the West Tigers, uh, um, one of which they came from 16 nil down at Leichhardt to beat the West Tigers. Um, but the other one, was a 41 to 14 win over the Melbourne Storm, which is staggering to think about. And uh, Weiss Catavrata played on the wing that day for the Rabbitohs, and he scored a hat trick. Weiss Catavrata played uh, 10, 11 games for Souths that year. He won one of them. This was the one game that he won. <laughs> he scored a hat trick. He also played five games for the Dragons in 2102 and two games for the Eels in 2004. So not a huge career but he was one of those guys that everyone was always hyper aware of because of his name like mm. i can't think of another example off the top of my head but if you go maybe even you go back a couple of years it was kind of like when uh they kept giving hype to guys like kato audio for example because it was like he had a cool name and he was and he was from papua new guinea and it was like katarada was one of these guys where he, he played occasionally for the dragons he'd mostly potter around in reserve grade but people knew who he was because his name was cool and he had a lot of hype as a result. And he came to South 2003. They were not very good. But for that one day in 2003, June 8th, 2003, <laughs> to be precisely, in front of 70,000, 70, <laughs> in front of 7,104 people at the SFS, two of which were me and Poppy Bungard, I saw Wes Catavarata score three tries. And Owen Craigie kicked a handsome four from eight. <laughs> what about this bloke? <laughs> So, like, so uh, the the posted post read mission rabbitos. That's your real sweet spot. I actually reckon that Bungard's better on the posted mission rabbitos than he is on anything. I couldn't else. tell He's you fantastic on anything that happened to South last year. Yeah. If you ask him to recall anything that happened between like two thousand and two and two thousand and six, I'll have it like that. <laughs> so I don't have too much to add on 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 Catavarada. I will ask how you're going to spend June eighth this year, the twenty year anniversary of Catavarata Day. 
Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, Catavarata Day is always a big day in the household. Me and Pop, we, we <laughs> I import some carva every year. We drink it. Um, then we watch the game, of course. Uh, making special mention to Luke Stewart's kick for himself, which results in a try. This might be my favorite game ever. Like, honestly, Luke Stewart's my favorite player. We were so shit. Beat the Storm, who we never beat by 400 points. Well, and didn't you, didn't you, just handle, you just handled him in 04 as well, didn't you? Yeah, 28-26. Yeah. I think it was Arthur Katinas's first game in charge. Wes yeah. Tillett scored a double. I, I Was that was that was what, one of Joey Williams' first games? Yeah, and, and it was also they scored the – like we were up by 10 points with like a minute to go, and they nearly, they nearly did the two-try thing. But the second one, there was a forward pass on the last pass, and we held on bravely to win 28-26. Who coached the storm that day? A young man named Craig Bellamy. I don't think we'll what's, hear much. What's he got over Arthur Katinas? That's I right. It sucks to suck, man. Well, that's true. I mean, Paul Langback might have the best coaching record against Craig Bellamy of anyone. You know what? I'm not going to look that up because I want it to be true. Well, it, it <laughs> might have to be because I'm pretty sure he would have at most played him twice and he won one of them. So 50%, baby. Yeah. So Catavarada is most well known for that South Sydney stint. I didn't know this until the day. Did you know he played in two semifinals for the Dragons? Um, I did. That's probably why I knew. That's why I knew his name because when he signed for South, I was like, "Oh, this guy played in the finals. He looked all right." Yeah, five games for the Dragons, two of which were finals in back-to-back weeks. Mm. After he had that year at South, he went to Para, didn't do a whole lot of stuff. Then he kind of dropped out of big-time footy altogether. I remember watching him play Shoot Shield for the Parramatta Two Blues in about two thousand and eight or two thousand and nine, and being extremely impressed that the Two Blues had an NRL player at all um and then in retirement i couldn't believe it he bobbed up again last year as coach of fiji in the world cup yeah that was exciting so, so fiji i can't remember who fiji's original coach was but they ended up having to go home because they had like a leg infection or something like that so they put out the call and katavarata answered and i'll tell you what fiji looked like a really well coached team at that world cup last year i thought they were really really good they pushed new zealand right to the limit in that quarterfinal it was good stuff so maybe Maybe the story of Weezy Catavarata, maybe the ending's yet to be written. Maybe there's another chapter. Yeah, he came in in Jersey 18 to replace Matt Cooper in those finals games. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Lee Hooky Lee Hooky moved from wing to center, and Weezy Catavarata came in. I think, and scored a try. I think. Uh, I think now he's also tied up with the Cavite Silvertails. Who oh are, yeah, um, okay, yeah, yeah. Who yeah. are the the Fijian team in the Ron Massey Cup? You might remember listeners might remember the viral video of them singing in the hotel last year. Yeah, and then one other thing, which has just sort of come to my mind now, he ended up Catavarata played a really big role in getting Viliami Kikau over to the Cowboys because Catavarata was yeah he was running a schoolboy tournament over in Fiji in about oh geez it'd be ten odd years ago now I remember this because uh, the guy who signed um kick out of the Cowboys, a guy named Adrian Thompson. He signed him straight to their 20 squad or whatever. And I did a story a couple of years ago before a grand final, um, one of the Panthers ones, where I talked to um, somebody who had something to do with each of the Panthers players when they were a junior. It was one of my favorite stories I've ever written. And for that one, for, for the kick out, I got onto this Thompson bloke and he said, what, what, Catavarata set up this schoolboy tournament and he had all these scouts come over and the idea was, you know, they'll find all these guys, bring them over to Australia, you know, teach them up or whatever. And Kikau was one of them. He came down from, I think he's from a village called Bao, B-A-U, and came down and the cows saw him and they were like, we have to have him. And then that's how the Kikau story really started. So, well, Katavarata, only what, like 15 first grade games? His impact on rugby league, substantial. Let's get him on the show. 
I'd love to have him on the show because you know why I'd love to have him on the show? Because he's a guy. Exactly right. Uh, before we get one more thing, I'm just because I've still got this ga- this game list up from this. I'll give you one guy from each of these knights and dragons teams just to tide you over till next okay. week. Just- Nathan <laughs> Nathan Tut. Oh wow, now that's a guy, <laughs> and a bit of a more mainstream guy for the knights, but Daniel Abraham. Oh, da- Daniel Abraham. That's the like Nathan Tut is a guy's guy. Daniel Abraham. That's you know that's a chart topper. Great. They, guy. You know they reckon they reckon Daniel Abraham is one of the most naturally talented players to ever come through the Knights. Mm. Like could pass 20 really? meters both ways, could kick goals both feet, like just in, like incredibly skillful. Like when he first came in, he was playing, I think he was playing fullback. Like he was playing all over the park because they just couldn't fight, quite find a spot for him. And I think eventually he settled into lock and then just had a shitload of injuries and it never quite worked out the way everyone hoped. But That's he true. was he was one of the great hey, hosts for the Knights. Won a, grand, won a grand final though. So. Mate, he did. So there you go. All right. Oh, and we did a deep dive on that grand final with Harry Ramage. If you want to go dig dig deep into the archives, greatest games, 2001 grand final. All right. And if you That's... if you would like to nominate a guy for, and what about this bloke? Or what you about can. this guy? Whatever the fuck the segment's called. On one condition. <laughs> you can. You just got to sign up to our Patreon. And the details are at www.patreon.com slash NRL Boom Rookies. Go yep. sign and up. Give us yep. money. Look, we've had... a. A boatload of new patrons come in since the season started. We've got now, more patrons now than we've literally ever had before in the podcast history. So we can't thank you all enough for that. And yeah, uh, if you want to keep supporting us, you also get a third podcast every week. Access to our Discord server and plenty of other bonuses as well. All right, Campo, let's move ahead to previewing this weekend's games. And we're starting off uh, a desperate Melbourne Storm hosting the West Tigers at 6 p.m. So I 14th little- versus 17th. <laughs> <laughs> I razzed you a little bit on the show on Monday about, oh, you know, could you tip the Tigers if Hughes is out or any or, or stuff like that? Um, but now Munster's back. I'm feeling like things are going to be okay for the Storm, you know? Um, but stranger things have happened. And I think it's a measure of how crook things have um, have become for them that I could even razz you for a little bit second, for a little bit of a second there about, you know, maybe the Tigers are going to do it, maybe the Tigers are going to do it, because Hughes, Hughes, Hughes being suspended is a really big deal for them, just because they are really lacking in in depth at the moment. But surely surely the Storm find their way. Surely they get it together on on this one, you know? If Munster wasn't back, I would have honestly been tempted to I would have thrown about it, eh? How crooks that? <laughs> yeah, um, it's weird. I, I, I wrote about the Storm today. I think it just got published this morning, actually, so I haven't even seen what they've done with it. But... um. Yeah, I wrote about how the Storm team this year is kind of giving me a bit of a 2014 vibe about them, where they've still got the amazing spine, but the pieces around that aren't really working for whatever reason. And that was really the last season up until last year that they struggled. They finished sixth that year, if you remember, and got pantsed by the Bulldogs in Melbourne in the finals uh, in, in a game eerily similar to what we saw last week. So um, whilst I don't think the Storm should be at any point written off. I do think that they are sort of weaker now than they've been in the past, but getting Munster back is gigantic. Uh, I can't in good conscience tip the Tigers here, but at the same time, it's still, do the Tigers, I mean, the Tigers backline, apart from Olam, like every player, there's kind of a similar level. Like they're not really get, and then in the forwards, it's about the same, like, yeah, Welch is the best prop there, but then it's like Utsukamanu, Clemmer, 
and Kamakamitha are all kind of a similar level on the bench. I don't really seeing much from either team, like Alex Twole, Alec McDonald, Sean Bloor, Tarek Sims. Like, they match up pretty well. And I'm not going to tip the Tigers, but they might have an edge in the back row as well, now that I'm looking at it. They've got advantages at a bunch of positions. So, like, don't be shocked if they spring an upset here. Well, I, I think the path to victory for the Tigers is is that back row. You know, I thought Bateman was had some okay moments against the Bulldogs. I think he'll be much, much better for the run. And I, like, like we said with Clemmer last week, I thought Clemmer really stood up. I would really like to see Isaiah Papali'i really stand up in this one because I think he's yet to have a game for the Tigers that's even close to the quality of the performances he put together for Parramatta over the last few seasons. So I'd really like to see him take the initiative and and be that player that we've sort of seen him be over the last couple of years. I'm I'm taking the storm only because like who could trust the Tigers right now? And like the I I don't know what's doing with the spine shuffle with putting Dewey back to fullback and bringing Wakeham in in an effort to unleash Brooksy or something like that. Dane Lowry on the bench. I don't know what's doing there. So I don't know. You know, the mad scientist has done a bit of tinkering and all that. The mad scientist has done a bit of tinkering, but uh, yeah, you got to go the storm in this one. Uh, yeah, I'm also tipping the storm, but I want it on the record that if they lose, it will be funny. <laughs> all right. Brave. Brave of you to say. Thank you. Uh, moving on. This is the reason that you are in Brisbane. This is the reason that uh, rugby league is the talk of the sporting landscape in Australia uh, this week. WrestleMania one. We've really, I think we've nailed it there. People are saying it. People are doing it. I, I hope you've been getting it around the around the punters up there while you've been on while you've had your feet on the ground. But yeah, I've I've been walking around in a sandwich board that just says WrestleMania on it while just talking like Macho Man Randy Savage. That's right. Okay, good. I, as, right. as I as I am want to do from time mm. to time. Uh, it is the Dolphins hosting the Broncos at Suncorp. Big away trip for Brisbane. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I actually watched Dawn of the Dolphins yesterday. I'd been meaning to watch it. I got around to doing it before we did these shows. Uh, I think the Dolphins are going to win by 75 points. <laughs> if you get the chance um, and you want something to sort of warm yourself up for, for the game tonight, check out Dawn of the Dolphins. Because it's very good. It's really good. And like these sort of fly on the wall documentaries, I always think can be a little bit hit and miss. There's nothing that annoys me more than when somebody says, oh, we're going to do a last dance style documentary about this fucking team. And you're like, well, no, it's the last dance was the last dance because Michael Jordan was in it. You know, that's the... That's this is difference. the first dance. <laughs> this is the first dance, yes. But what's so compelling is is in in this doco is Wayne Bennett. Like he's yes. the he's you the never star. see Wayne Bennett like this. Ever. No, you don't. And and you get him. I think you watch it and you get a much better sense of what he's like around around his teams and what he's like with footballers. And you watch it and you understand why people respond to him. What and like why guys want to play for him and why people speak of him in such sort of rarefied it like you watch it there there's some footage in there of negotiations that he has with players and you think god how does anyone how does anyone not do exactly what this bloke says how does anybody legit just not sign with this guy straight away you know and it it gives you if, if i'd watched this before the season and i'd sort of gotten this this full dose of undiluted wayne bennett magic straight into my veins i never would have tipped the fins for the spoon the way i did i you know i think i just needed I needed a reminder. I needed a reminder of what a special coach he is and, and the special things he's able to to bring out in people. You know, like I think Wayne Bennett has proven time and time again that 
he can teach men to believe they can become more than they are. And through that belief, they find a way to become their better selves. And that is to me, the hallmark of the dolphins over these first three weeks, you know, and this is a different sort of challenge for them because I think over the first three weeks of the competition, the Broncos, the only team that's looked that they're the, they're, they're the only team that's looked like a true powerhouse mm. like Souths and Penrith and the Roosters and maybe Parra or whatever. They're all still finding their way. The Broncos aren't, the Broncos are pretty fully formed. They're pretty ready to go, man. And I think they're ready to be, to be big dogs again. They're ready to sort of swing swagger around and, you know, get in people's way and, and all that sort of thing. So like I'm tipping Brisbane to win this and it wouldn't surprise me if they win it well, but I'm never, ever, ever, ever going to underestimate a Wayne Bennett team again, even if they're missing Felice Kafusi because he's suspended. And even if Isaiah Katoa, who's under a bit of a fitness cloud, doesn't play, I'm going to give them every single chance, even though I like the Broncos because I think they have a little bit more firepower and a little bit more grunt in the middle. And I think that they're treating this game, not not maybe not like a finals game, but you know, I think the the magnitude of this match, the importance of it is pretty plain for everyone to see. So I think Brisbane are right, right up for this one, but I'll never, ever, ever count out a Wayne Bennett team again. I very rarely did in the past, but I did it. I did heading into this season and that was a mistake. So I won't be doing that one again. Yeah. I mean, we talked about the top of the show in your article yesterday, how this is the most important regular season game. Um, I and, and I could not agree more because you know we do often not not just us but everyone in sport really fall into this trap of hyperbole a lot of the time. But in this case, I I don't see how anyone could really argue it. There's not going to be another game that happens this year, save for if the Roosters and Seahawks are playing off for the minor premiership in round 27. That's going to have any sort of stakes like this, and it's not just the stakes of two points. It's not just the stakes of who is going to be first on the ladder. It's not even just the stakes of who can say they won the first match between these these two teams. There's so much more at stake. The, 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 the way the sport is in Brisbane at the moment is at a real crossroads with a lot of people. There are a lot of people that have been disenfranchised with the Broncos over the last few years, for better or worse. And whilst they are on the improvement now, there's there's been, what, two or three years where people have just been very, very annoyed by what they've seen. And I think that's really helped get the Dolphins off to a good start on the ground. I think that's pushed a lot of people to become supporters of the Dolphins. And this this kind of happened with the Wanderers as well, dude, where people sort of supported, kept supporting the Mariners or whoever, or like had a soft spot for the Wanderers. But when they got in and they actually started winning some games, they went, holy shit, this is actually something. And then they they cast off the shackles of their old team and they they were all in. And I feel like, honestly, like there could be some people tonight whose fandom for the rest of their life might hinge on who wins this game. And whilst that sounds flimsy to you and I, who would die for our beloved teams, no matter how shit they got, there are people up there. There are people in general that are going to place that much importance on this game. And I think there was someone in our discord the other day that said that some person that they'd spoken to at their their work, who'd never mentioned footy in their life to them said fins up the other day. That's how much they're cutting through with the general public up in Brisbane. And if they win this game against the Broncos, I think this is just such a symbolic moment, not just for this season, but for this club's history. Absolutely. It, it, it's I, I wrote a little bit about this in my preview that went up yesterday. You know, both teams are bringing a lot of history into this game. You know, the Dolphins are a young club in terms of the NRL, but Redcliffe Dolphins have been around since I think it's 1947 or something like that. And, and the way that a lot of the people 
who have played for that club and went on to represent the Broncos, guys like Petro Sivinasiva and Brent Tate, the way they talk about Redcliffe, it sounds like they're talking about a local footy club. It sounds like they're talking about the country team that they grew up playing for and then went back and had a year for at the end of their NRL careers. You know what I mean? And it feels it feels very local. It feels very grassroots already, which to me is the great success of the Dolphins. I don't know how they've done it. I don't know if they've meant, meant to do it. But they feel old and new in the same time. I sort of said that on a, the last on a, the last few episodes. And then Brisbane are looking for a part of their history as well. Brisbane are looking for that Bronco exceptionalism that was sort of born under Wayne Bennett. And it's something that they've been chasing for a really long time. They've never really been able to get a hold of it, even when Wayne Bennett came back and coached them again. So these two teams are bringing a lot of history to this game. But the thing about history is it's not always about the past. You know, sometimes mm. it happens right in front of us. And that's, that's, that's what's happening here tonight. I know it's a, it's a, it's a phrase that's pretty well worn for me. I say it a lot. And I think I was about to ask you, how many times can the first, how many times can something happen for the first time, Nick? Only once something can only happen for the first time. Once, you know, the dolphins can only play their first game. Once they can only win their first game. Once they can only play the Broncos for the first time, one time. And, you know, there could be a thousand other derbies after this, but the first one, the first one always matters. The first one always matters and the first one can set the tone. And I think the NRL will be like down on its knees giving thanks that both teams are riding so high going into this match because like rivalries are always fun or whatever. But I always think about how the Rabbitohs Roosters rivalry to me was dormant for like for a really, really long time. The only, for, for me, it only sort of kicked into what it's become now, which is one of the biggest in the game, sort of in like the early 2010s when both of them were good at the same time for the first time in about 40 or 50 years, mm. you know, like before that, a South, a South, a Roosters Rabbitohs game was fun or whatever, but it didn't, like, I didn't feel the stakes because one team was always, well, was mainly the Roosters, they were always just so much better yeah. than the Souths. Yeah. The Souths were so beaten down. And it was only when Souths rose to that level and became a superpower in and of themselves that rivalry sort of became something, I think, that cut through a lot or cut through the entire sport and became a really big deal for people beyond fans of that team. So we're really, really lucky that the start of this Brisbane rivalry is getting off to a start like that, you know? So like, like I said earlier, I like Brisbane in this one, but purely because they've got a bit more points in them and I like them more in the middle of the field. But I think the Dolphins have proven that they can play, they can play above their talent level and that they can dig deep and find things that a lot of teams, honestly, that some teams never find, you know? So I'm taking the Bronx, but with, with trepidation. Yeah. I, I think this is going to be a really close game. Um, I hope it's a close. You know, Brisbane could do that thing where they pull away and get a couple of late tries. Yeah, I think they will yeah. win this game, but I just hope for the league's sake and for the narrative's sake that it's close. And I think it will be. I really, really do. So I'll take the Broncos as well. All right. Let's move on to just the two games on Saturday, which I don't a, like. A not so super Saturday, Correct. some people are saying. Uh, and it is the uh, Cowboys, the suddenly up against the Cowboys. Hosting the Titans in another battle of Queensland, but not the one anyone cares about, <laughs> which is brutal because the Titans were so entertaining last week. But I saw, yeah. um, I think the the Cowboys are, are trying to brand this as the the four X Queensland derby or something like that. And it's okay. like, isn't that what you call the games against the Broncos as well? Am I losing it? 
I don't know. Uh, I've definitely know. heard the way, that the before, ways so, the ways yeah. of the Queenslander are mysterious to me. Like I'm up here, I'm still pretty jet lagged. You know, I tried to change over some of my money at the airport. That's never a good idea. You know, they've got Joby Elke Peterson on the fifty dollar notes up here. I I don't know. I don't know what's going on up here, man. That joke that joke always plays the money one. Oh, the oh, money one, the money one of the time zone one. That's always good stuff. Yep. Go to Adelaide, complain about jet lag. Mm. Never, never gets. Um, yeah. Look, the Cowboys were very bad last week. They still don't have Josh Drinkwater. Can they score points without him this week? Well, you'd hope so. You'd hope so. And I think if there is a team they can do it against, it's someone like the Titans, whose defense has looked a little bit shaky through the first three weeks. But I think Ruben Cotter's a really big out for the Cowboys. They like to sort mm, of yeah. use him as as the as the pivot man to get a lot of their a lot of their attack moving. And while Griffin Neem is a capable replacement yardage-wise, I don't know if they'll have the sophistication in the middle of the field to sort of set up their patterns the way they would like to. One thing I do think this will do is I think it'll unlock Jason Talmalolo a little bit. He's only been playing about 50 minutes a game through these first three weeks. I think Todd Payton has gone back to trying what he tried a few years ago where he sort of eases back on the big fella's minutes to try and prolong his career a little bit. But I think this is a game where you got to be like, you know what? Like we need, we need, we need classic Talmalolo. We need like 65 minute Talmalolo. We need Talmalolo running for 250 meters just to sort of jump start, jump start the attack and jump start the season a little bit because, you know, I, the Cowboys have sort of escaped, like sort of slipped out of sight and out of mind for a lot of people like they do sometimes, but they're, they're, a, they're a field goal away from being on three themselves, mm. you know, and that's with two games at home and all their games in Queensland. So I think it's an important game for them just confidence wise to sort of go out there and put it on the Titans. I've tipped the Cowboys, but I eyeballed the Titans. I eyeballed this game for about five minutes. And I really, really did think about taking the Titans because they have shown an ability to score a lot of points. I really love what's going on with that left edge with Foran, Fafita and Brian Kelly. So I don't know if, if, if the Cowboys don't come correct and they get themselves into a shootout with the Titans, like the storm did last week, well, then they could be in a little bit of trouble because, like, where are the points going to come from? Not from you, that's for sure. That's right. Mm. Yeah, it's tough, man. It, it is really hard. I can't really get a great read on them. They're that they're a team that I thought in the first half of their first game would be, oh yeah, this is going to be what the Cowboys are. Yeah, they're going to steamroll everyone, especially when they're at home, and we'll see them in the finals and see if they have what it takes. But since basically halftime in that first game, they've been pretty bad and. I don't know. You're right. No Rube Cotter. No, no drink water. As I said earlier, it's a big ask. It's a big asking as the Titans team that has their tails up. Um, I think I'm going to tip the Titans. Yeah, man. I'm like I normally I never like changing a tip because I think every time you change a tip, you end up getting done. Mm. But I'm thinking about doing it this time. I'm thinking about just getting crazy. You know, I'm hopped up on forex, and you know, like anything could happen. Anything could happen. Um. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to tip the Titans. Bugger it, so will I. Let's wow. go, Toons. The, the, Let's the do boys. it. Let's do it, baby. Uh, my wooden spoon pick's going to be three and one. How fantastic. <laughs> Which is fine. I don't, I don't give a shit. It's fine. I'm happy for them. I don't want them to come last. I just thought they would. All right. Uh, Saturday night, uh, South Sydney. Their first home game of the year in round four. Um, hosting the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Uh, a big night, a big emotional occasion. Uh, South will be wearing... Uh, Hoop jerseys with the half rabbit on them in honor of John Sattler, who passed away 
during the week. Um, I'm sure everybody is aware of this and who, of who John Sattler was. Camper wrote a thing about it uh, the day after the passing. It's very good. Again, I also put that one on our Facebook, so go read it. But um, yeah, Nick, this should be a very emotional occasion. I'll be there. Um, yeah, uh, don't know what to say. Uh, it's just gonna be. It's just gonna be real, real tough one for everyone involved. Uh, it, 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 yeah, it'll be, it'll be an emotional day for sure. I think something that South Sydney have done really well over the last couple of decades is the way that they sort of celebrate and commemorate their past. I think they're mm. one of the best teams in the entire league at doing it. And, you know, John Sattler was such an important player for that club in sort of its last golden era before, before modern times, you know, he captained them to victory in four grand finals. I think he played in six grand finals altogether. I think his status as a leader at South Sydney is quite is quite substantial. So it was always going to be a big deal whenever he, whenever he passed and and South were always going to pay a, a really big tribute to him. But the fact that they're playing manly, the same, the same team that they played in that famous 1970 grand final, when John Sattler played with a broken jaw, like that's just, if you scripted that in a movie, people would say it was unrealistic, you know, but it's just one of those serendipitous things that sport can can throw up sometimes and i love that souths are wearing the special jerseys and i love that they're gonna pay tribute to one of the real one of the real uh fine men of that club you know i i i i met john sattler maybe once or twice over the years i think the first time i met him i was just a kid and he was someone who like his glory days were 20 years before i was born but i think it's a measure of of what kind of player he was and, and the toughness that he had, that even people that don't know anything about rugby league in the seventies, they couldn't name a single player. They all know about John Sattler and they all know about the broken draw. It's something that I think has a resonance, a resonance through time that few other things in this sport really, really do, you know? And I, th- I'm pretty sure that towards the, like, you know, for the last couple of decades, every single bloke that met John Sattler wanted to buy him a beer and talk about the draw or whatever. And that's a thing that would be very easy to, to get sick of, but you know, I think it's a measure of the sort of person that John Sattler was that the way a lot of people have described him since his passing is as a gentleman, because he always did give people that time, you know, and his, his son, Scott is the, is the same. Every time I spoke to him, I always thought like, yeah, he, this, this guy comes from, this guy comes from good people, you know? So it's a sad thing for them to, for the Sattlers to lose, to lose their father like that. But um, I'm sure Souths will, commemorate and celebrate his his life and his legacy in a really in a, in a in a in a really great way on Saturday. Here's Taylor rolling the ball in on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. Oh, he thinks yeah. he did. Oh! Cold train cup. And that's why I'm locking the boys up with my cold train pick. Love they're not going to lose. They're that's not going to the lose this game. That's the and way. And there's no man. one else, there's no one else I can pick this week. There really isn't. Um they're not going to lose this. No shot. No shot. Uh, I want one of those jerseys so badly. Apparently, they're not selling them. They are selling commemorative T-shirts, which I will buy one of. But well, yeah, maybe maybe they'll auction off the Sattler jerseys or something like that. Keep an eye out for that because if you snagged like Daniel Saluka Fafita's jersey or something like yeah. that, yeah, pretty sweet. Yeah, it would. Um, that's where the Patreon money is going. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, this three thousand dollars I spent on Alex Johnston's game worn jersey from the John Sattler <laughs> game, it was a business expense. So I think it's fair to say Souths will have the emotional edge in this game. That that seems pretty pretty certain to me. From a footy perspective, though, how are you feeling about it? Because just with the amount of front rowers Souths are missing, yeah. the amount of middles they have out, that gives me a little bit of pause. 
Yeah, but I think I don't think Manly's strength is their front row. I think they're. I mean, Paseca's been great, but I think it's a good. It's not. It's not the worst team to play this week when you've got a dearth of middles because their strength is out wide. Their strength is beating you with Schuster's skill and Turbo's power and all that stuff, which sounds a bit in my. It sounds been relatively good at containing Turbo in the, in the past. Um, and, and so, like, if you're gonna have to play a game where Daniel Saluka for feeder is starting and you've got. David Mowale coming off the bench and, and and not a whole lot else aside from your, your star guys like Tom Burgess, Cam Murray. Um, yeah, they're not the worst team to play. You get Jacob Host back. I think they've got a clear advantage on the edges with him and Kaloma Tangi. Um, the back lines are pretty even, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that it's a pretty good matchup for South. They're usually pretty solid against Manly. And despite what happened last week, I think with the occasion as well, the boys should be fired up and they should win this one. Well, it's one of those things. I think if South's run and gun against Manly, I actually think that plays towards Manly's strength because mm. as we showed last week, Manly are a team that are pretty adept in shootouts. I think the way to beat them would be to play mm. really tight and draw them into a forward battle, but I just don't know if Souths have the cattle to do that right now, but I do know they have the firepower to get into a shootout. So I'm, I think this one's quite high scoring. And I'm going Souths, but not with a heap of confidence. Like a, a, a manly win wouldn't surprise me all that much. You back by then or are you still in Brisbane? I'll be back. I'll be back Saturday morning. You going to come down? I'll think about it. Yeah, me, me, I'll think about first it. First game with Poppy for the year. I'm very excited. Happy days. Indeed. Uh, all right. Warriors, Bulldogs. Three games. Super Sunday. Super Sunday, it. baby. The right, Warriors Day. hosting the Bulldogs. Um I'm pumped for this one. Yeah. I reckon, I reckon, I reckon, I reckon it'll be a lot of fun. This is going to be a great game, I think. Um, the Warriors have been much better than everyone's expected. The Dogs are back. They're all the way back. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I think this could be a ferocious crowd at Mount Smart, Kepo. Because the, the Dogs play a lot of games over there, right? Like, Or they have pre-COVID. Dogs play a lot of games in New Zealand. They've got a reasonably good big fan base over there, too. So, yeah, I think this could be pumping for this game. I do too. I do too. I th- and this is the f- first home. This is the first Warriors home game for the year. Am I being correct in that? They played at the Cake Tin round one. Yeah. Two away games, two and three. So this is the first game back at Auckland, and they have been pretty good. Like I've sung their praises a fair bit for for what they're doing and and and, and the way they're developing. They're getting Jackson Ford back. They're getting Chance Nickel Klukstad back. Um, I think the Warriors. To to me, they look a little bit like a team on the rise, you know, and while I think, I think Canterbury is certainly progressing in a, in a positive direction as well. I think the Warriors are a little bit more fully formed at the minute, you know, like the the Bulldogs had some great, great moments against the Tigers on Sunday. And if their execution was a little bit better, they could have been up by 40 with 15 minutes to go rather than just by 26 or whatever. And they could have totally killed the game off, but they, I think they're still a team that's sort of learning how to play together. I, I really like the the matchup in the middle of the field for the Warriors. I think Fanua Blake and Tohu Harris are gonna, both going to have really, really strong games again. I will never shut the fuck up about Tohu Harris. <laughs> I, think I love this bit. I love this oh, bit. Oh man, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Tohu Terrier. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a Harris, I'm, a Harris Harrier. I was going to say I'm in the, I'm in the Harris harem. But I think those yep. two guys give them a serious edge in the middle of the field, which is why I'm taking the Warriors in this one. But I do think this could be this. This has got match of the round possibilities. I think, you know, yep. uh, you know, the WrestleMania aside, like that's clearly going to be awesome. But apart from that, WrestleMania adjacent matches. Yeah, I think I think this could be a bit of a well. Battle. I mean, 
like sports bet odds are never an exact science, but it, this is the game that has the closest odds between the two teams. They're a dollar eighty three and a dollar ninety eight. So, and a, a pretty much a coin flip. Yeah, I, I'm really excited for this one. I'm going to take the Warriors. I am too. For for Canterbury, I would like to see um, Flanagan, Burton, and Marnie continue to develop their combination. I'd like to see Perham continue to improve the way he has in the last couple of weeks. But I just think the Warriors are going to be a little bit more fluid and a little bit more composed. I'm looking for another big game from Sean Johnson. I thought Tamari Martin was really strong for the Warriors last week. And this time I want a, bit, a little bit of classic SJ. Sentences I never, this, is, this is his year. SJ's back. This is sentences, his year. sentences I never thought I'd say though. Wade Egan, huge loss. He is, he is a loss. He is a loss because he has been quite strong for them um, through the first uh, three weeks of the season. Freddie Lussick is he'll just he'll just get the ball out. He'll just get the ball out. And honestly, that might be all he needs to do, given the ascendancy I'm expecting them to have in the middle of the field. Well, I hope he's better at throwing passes than he was at boxing. Got him. Do you remember how angry Jeff Fennick was? Like because Taylor May was beating the absolute piss out of Freddie Lussick and they wouldn't throw the towel in. I I'm ashamed to say I didn't actually watch that fight. Normally I'm there for every footy player fight, but I didn't see that one. Mm. Yeah, it was pretty bad. He, they should have thrown the towel in. Then uh, Moses like flew in on a fan jetpack and saved it. So. Wow, you'd think I'd remember something like that happening. You would. All right. Uh, the Knights hosting the Raiders of Canberra, fresh off a big win last week. Your boys travel up. There's no love lost here. These two teams don't like each other. <laughs> Canberra have not played a normal game against the Knights in about four years. It's There's always, always, always something that wacky happens, um, you know. Or something wacky that happens, rather. Like, you know, the, the two games last year, Canberra were down 22-6 against a Knights team that was just winding down the clock. And then they came back and won um, with a try with about 10 minutes to go. And in the game before that, that's the one where Hudson Young put the kick in with 90 seconds left to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. Something weird always happens when the Knights play the Raiders. But, but, Zach Wolford's back for the Raiders, something I've, I have not shut up about over the last few weeks is how much I'd like to see him in the team. He is back in the team. Now I think that'll give them a lot more width in their attack and a lot more direction with their attack. Josh Papali, he's back for the Raiders. That's huge. Obviously from just a personnel standpoint, he's still one of the best front rowers in the league. It just gives them a great one, two punch and really adds to a middle rotation. That's been a real strength for them through these first three weeks. They've already been able to stick it up a few teams, even without Papali. So you add him in and all of a sudden things are looking really, really dangerous. But I think he's important just from an energy standpoint. Jack Whiten was saying um, at the Raiders media up the other day that Papali, it's, it's like having, it's like having the new kid back and he has sort of given everyone a little bit of a boost and has sort of playing with a little bit of a, spring in their steps. So while the Raiders and the Knights have a very weird history where strange shit happens and you can't really rely on the form guide, that's exactly what I'm doing here. Here's Taylor rolling the ball end on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Oh! Cold train carp. And I'm cold training the boys. I'm doing it. Look at that. So in, we've both independently cold trained our teams for the first With time. No this consultation. Yeah, yeah. Part of the reason I'm doing this as well is because Canberra is an away team and I haven't tipped an away team yet this year. Um, and I, I always, always, always with the Coltrane Cup get to the middle of the year, realize I haven't taken an away, haven't taken enough away, away sides and then I've got to sort of, you know, fumble around and fuck about and try and get it together. But if Canberra want to be even just a semi-serious team, if they want to be a finals team this year, these are the sorts of games that yeah, they have to yeah. win. They have to rise above 
the the Raiders Newcastle weirdness and just yeah. go it's, out there and get it. It's done. a it's a shame how it's happened, but Zach Wolford's back for you is great. Um, Dom Young's just been dropped, right? There's not that's yeah yeah straight uh, dropped. Interesting there. They get a few guys back too, but yeah, I'll take I'll take the Raiders also. And the final game of the round. Um, again, this is a game. Well, let's do, let's just touch on the Knights real oh, yeah. real okay. quick, real real quick. So they are getting some dudes back. I think Jaden Braley's a really important in for them. And I think Daniel Safidi playing, I, I'm not hundred percent sure if he will play because that injury last week looked a little bit gnarly, but if Safidi's out, then all of a sudden this becomes, I would say close to close to impossible for them. But like I would, it, from a Knights perspective, I would like to see Lockie Miller continue to develop the way that he did last week. I thought he was a real, a real shining light for them. Um, and I, again, I think we talked about it last week. They just need a really big one from Hastings. They need Hastings to really take control of this match. And I think until Ponga comes back, we're going to be saying something like that every week that they're really going to rely on Hastings to run them around the park and run the tempo of the side. Is, uh, is Tyson Brazil going to play? I don't think so. I think he's pretty unlikely. Okay. Uh, the Jaden Braley, Kurt Mann playing. So good, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I like Leo Thompson, by the way. He hits hard. He does hit hard. He's got a few problems with his hands, but mm. you can always improve your hands. You can't learn how to put your head in places other people wouldn't put theirs, you know, and Greg, the legs, Greg, the legs in on the wing. So he'll give them a lot of punch out of the backfield, but he's not the best defender in the world. So he might be someone that Canberra try and target a little bit. I imagine he'll be on the right wing. So that's matching up with Canberra's left side, which is that, which is their best attacking edge. Um, And here's a take for you off the nights, back to the rage for a little second. Nick Kotrick's out for a few weeks with that um, hamstring strain, but I think Albert Hopewell is a better player than him. Well, wow. yeah, what a fall from grace for your large adult son. Well, he just hasn't got any better, and Hopewell has got a better work rate and just stays more involved in the game. And yeah, I know it's a it's a big call considering what Kotrick's achieved in the game, but I I, I honestly think the team's better with Hopewell mm. than with Kotrick. I had to maybe, to maybe, Ray- maybe this is the, maybe this is the the jolt that Kotrick needs. I'd listen to these Raiders fans tell me that this Kotrick character was better than Alex Johnston. And look at us now. Look oh, at it's us incredible now. how you managed to shoehorn Alex Johnston into literally well, every single I every take single notes of discussion. every slight because I take them personally. But you're not mad, um, though. Not mad. No. Please no, don't no tell way. the internet that I was mad. <laughs> I'm crying right now through the through the Zoom chat. Uh, last game. Again, another, another week. This would be a massive game. Dragon Sharks. But uh, just throw <laughs> They've just chucked it at the back of back end of Sunday. Here, here, have this. Watch it <laughs> while the sun goes down. Yeah, um, sharks are in a weird spot, but um, they they get handsome Nico back, and this is when we can finally start judging who they are as a team. I think. Well, like obviously, Hines is a, is a huge in for them, but do you see it fixing the problems that they've that they've had in these first? Is he going to make weeks? Matt Moylan's tackles for him? Is that, what that, that that's 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 my issue? Like scoring points and it's direction around problem. the field yeah. has not been an issue because Tricky's Tricky's played so well. Like obviously, you'd rather have Hines there. Hines is a a really really good player, but the issue for me with the Sharks isn't something that would be solved by Hines coming back in, you know, like the, their looseness in the middle of the field, the, 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 the sloppy errors that they're, that they're making all over the park. These are things that, you know, that Hines himself won't come in and fix. He can't just stare at someone handsomely and make them hang on to the ball. You know what I mean? But uh, to me, this is a big one for the Sharks because if the, again, if the Sharks want to be a serious football team and they do, these are the sorts of games 
that they have to win. They've got a bit of a tough run coming up and, and they need to bank some wins while they can. And while I don't know, I think the dragons are any great stakes themselves. I do think that they have, they have the strength in the middle of the field and they have enough class in their back line. That if the sharks don't come correct. They could get punished for it, you know? So mm. if, if the sharks want to be the team, we know they can be, this is the sort of game that they've really got to get a handle on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think they'll should be able to take care of business here. Look, I'm, I'm I'm tipping them, but again, an upset wouldn't surprise me. This is one of those games where if it was six weeks to go in the season, and I was running, I was you know needed some needed some some doozies to to win my tipping comp. Yeah, I, would fe- I wouldn't feel that bad about throwing throwing Saints in because even though they did fall apart against the Broncos in the last ten minutes last week, for the first seventy minutes they were keeping pace with them. Yeah, that's you know? true. They've been, they've and it was been only a little solid. bit. Of, yeah, only a little bit of only a couple of little lapses here and there that Brisbane really latched on and 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 ripped the points on. So I've, I've feeling this would be a good game. I'll take the Sharks in a in a closeish one. As will I. As will I. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi Rundrundra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Rundrundra. All right, just a little bit of news before we get out of here. Um, Junior Ballo facing three weeks on the sideline for a high tackle. Well, that, I mean, yeah, yeah, that feels that feels about right to me. That that feels correct enough. I'm okay with it. I don't think we really need to say much more about that. Who do they play? They don't play South, so I don't care. Um, <laughs> they play the Roosters, so it's good for the Roosters. Um, uh, and, yeah, look, we didn't talk about during the game because we wanted to talk about the game. We'll talk about it now before we get out of here. Mitchell Moses re-signs with Parramatta for essentially the rest of his career. Well, we t- we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when sort of the news came out that the re-signing was, was imminent. But um, I, d- I think it's so hard to find a good halfback and – it's so hard to find a halfback that's better than Mitch Moses. Like how many halfbacks out there would you say are better than Mitch Moses? Like two, three, maybe, you know? So even if you don't think he's a number one boy, I think it's fair to say that at his best, he's a top five. He's a top five guy. So when there are guys like that, you've just got to get them. You just got to wrap them up, man. And it kind of doesn't matter what it costs. You know, people can say, oh, it's a million dollars. It's too much for a bloke that hasn't won anything. It's like, well, there's only four halfbacks in the entire competition that have won a premiership. One of them's Chad Townsend. One of them's Adam Reynolds. One of them's Jerome Hughes. One of them's Nathan Cleary. Like it's not, it's not as if there's a thousand winning halfbacks out there, you know, and Moses is about as close as anyone's going to get. So you might as well wrap it up. Yep. Well said. If you have a good halfback, you should not let them leave. Interesting. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, I'm just glad it's over with. I was sick of hearing yeah, about too. it. Uh, now we can move on to rumors at Clint Gutherson's future or <laughs> someone else. In the well, team. I tell you, this is one that totally slipped under my radar last night, but Ken Mal Marlowe going from the Tigers to the Titans effective immediately. Oh yeah. That's, so that's for, fun. Yeah. So RIP to the Ken Mal Marlowe leadership era at the Tigers. A co-captain, a, a, a beloved club captain has, has had to leave Kennedy Mal Marlowe, fondly known to his friends as Eddie Mal Marlowe has had to, has had to hit the road. So he's up. He's going to be up at the tunes. I thought he was decent for them. I always thought he. I always. I, thought he I would have taken. Yeah. I would have taken him to Souths right now. <laughs> oh, dude, you'd love him at Souths. You kidding? 
That's He'd be so fantastic annoying. for Souths on that right wing. Get on the blower to my sources and ask why we didn't sign Eddie Mamala. Mm. Oh, that's that's cool. Yeah. Good for them. Uh, any any other news you want to talk about? We well, let's chew it over really, really quickly. Royce Hunt the other day oh, yeah. got asked about the run-in with Corey Horsburgh and he got he got a little bit he got a little bit cranky. He said he was a weak gutted dog, said he can't wait to play him again, said he wants to bash him, all that sort of stuff. What did you reckon? I thought what did you make it, well, of it? Well, first of all, I thought it was one of those like piss take ball sack sports like esque <laughs> accounts. That was my first reaction. And then when I realized it was real, I looked up when they play. And then when I realized it was literally the last round of the season, I went, Royce, mate, come on. You slapped a man on the field. You got made to look like a mug. He scored two tries. You lost the game. You, you don't need to be mouthing off here. I, I, I get what you're saying, but I actually love that Royce Hunt got so fired up about it because... Like it's clear that it, it's clear that it really pissed him off, and it really got to him so much so that a few days later he's still super pissed off about it. And I mm. always, I love it. I love it when players react like that. I love it when they care so much because I hate it when players go up and they say, "Oh, you know, it's just part of the game, and it's let's leave it all in the field." That's and, true. Know. That's a good point. You know what I mean? Like he's just being honest. He's just being honest about how he feels. He feels like he got punked, and he feels like he got punked by someone who who didn't stand up to him. Like that pissed me off too. I, so I love it when players are that passionate about. They one-on-one matchups and 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 the, and the results and all that, you know. So, like Hunt's copping a lot of heat for it now, but man, I'd much rather I'd much rather have a guy that cares too much than a guy that doesn't care enough, you know. So, Royce Hunt, everyone's laughing at you, but I got your back, buddy. Even though you're taking on my cousin Corey, that's nice. That's I'm shocked at your position on this, but that's very mature of you. Well, I'm a very mature person, Matthew. That's true. All right, uh, before we get out of here, I'll give you a quick thank you to the people in the top two tiers. On our Patreon subscription service, if you'd like to support us, patreon.com forward slash Anarubin Rookies, you get access to our Discord server, um, merchandise discounts. You can nominate guys for What About This Bloke? Uh, and you get a third bonus show every week, the Question Time Show, which is probably our favorite show. So thank you to Chris Avnell, Dave, Nico Hines had the greatest season in NRL history, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Butsy, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsburgh, Scoresborough, Jace Felix Barnworth, Jason, Jez Plus, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, kicks out of the comp, Lachlan Hancock, lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Luke Ferguson, Maddie Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my ding dong is hard and I'm sad, never trendy, Pat McManus, Ray Stone Gossard, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Seymour Butts, Shunter, Simo, Ty, TV, the Black Vegetable, the Not So Mature Student, Thor, Tom Hardy, Was, and Westlife's podcast. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. All right. Campo, what are you going to do for the next? Upstanding members of the community with excellent posture, mm. with a variety of, you know, cultural interests. And they're all very well read, I hear, which is love. I've heard that too. And well listened. <laughs> what are you doing for the rest of the Friday until the footy? I don't know. I don't know. It's about oh, it's about 9.30 in the morning here. The game's not till is it still 7. Daylight? Is it still daylight savings in Australia? So, yeah, somehow I don't know. Oh, so it's not. So I thought you were being a dick. It is actually nine thirty. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm still. Oh. With, I'm still. still oh, dealing shit. With the Sorry. Lag, I would have told. So. I would. Have, I would have. I would have pushed this back. I didn't realize. So you, we started recording at eight your time. Yeah, that's all right, mate. Like bright and up, early. Up crack early. On. Yeah, I don't know. Might, those... go, might go see John Wick four. Why don't you get one of those lime scooters and cause a mischief? I zoom around. I, I shouldn't be allowed on those scooters. Zoom around into things. No, no. That that doesn't help anybody. Have you noticed, by the way, I'm not going to mention the publication, but they wrote something two weeks ago 
uh, oh, why Ted Lasso is actually not funny. And then this week it was, can we stop pretending John Wick movies are, are actually good cinema? It's like, can you stop pretending to not be a fuckwit? Because yeah. John Wick rules. Yeah. Here's, here's, here's something you can pretend to do. Fuck off. Yep. <laughs> <We're just> doing... <laughs> well, dude, it's like, why are we just hating? Wait, I, I despise this genre of let's hate popular thing. It's just become oh, no, a thing. It's, be, it's because like... It's it's easy it's easy hate clicks, isn't it? Yeah, and I just did I I did not click on either of these stories for the record. I saw them on my Facebook feed and went, ugh. But like God, it's just so awful. Like, oh, oh, this beloved action movie franchise featuring Hollywood's nicest man. It's actually terrible. I (laughs) I am very smart and a connoisseur of cinema. This thing that you think is good, it's actually bad. See what's not bad. (laughs) Footy. That's right. All right. Well Well said. Well said, Bertrand. Thank you. We will be back on Monday uh, with the review show, wrapping up everything from this weekend. Campo, enjoy the game tonight. Say goodbye. Bye, guys. Thanks again for listening. I really appreciate it. And it's goodbye from me.